Welcome to Together We Rise, the podcast. I'm Maxine, your host, spiritual guide, healer, and intuitive. This is a place for deep interdimensional dives, unpacking our world systems, paradigms, and what it is that we each can be doing to start recreating them. Each episode, I'll be joined by changemakers from an array of backgrounds, ranging from holistic wellness to activism to human rights equality, medical freedom, spiritual teachers, conscious business, and everything in between. Because they all have one common intention, and that is to actualize humanity's potential to thrive. Today's guest is the amazing Alex Zek, free thinker, medical freedom advocate, and when I was thinking about what words would best describe him, status quo challenger came to mind. For many of you, this name is going to be extremely familiar, along with his mum, Ali's. They have both been incredible voices on the front lines of challenging the narrative of COVID-19 and all of the things surrounding what has been playing out this year. And he goes into a bit of depth as to their story too, because it is really relative to the roles that they are now playing to and what they're seeing and witnessing play out in the collective. So I'm not going to get any further into it. Let's dive straight in to the interview. So we just had a little bit of a pre-chat and we covered quite a bit just in that small amount of time. And they're definitely topics that I would love to explore with you in a bit more depth now that we're recording. But let's start with a little bit of your own journey, if you're okay with that, because I know that a lot of people will recognize your name, but maybe not familiar with what got you here and sharing the way that you are and what's kind of, yeah, I guess, set you on this new path. Yeah, thank you for that. And sorry, I get carried away anytime people bring anything up. So I know we already had a pretty um, deep conversation to start before we started recording. But um, yeah, so I'm Alex Zek. Um, I guess the best way to start with this is just to start from the beginning for me to to provide the necessary context for why I speak on the things that I speak on and believe what I believe and say what I say. So Growing up, I grew up grew up in a very um, abusive household. Uh, my father, at the time, was just uh, repeating patterns of generational abuse because um, he had never done the work to heal what was inflicted upon him by his parents, and so on and so on. His great grandparent, like it, it, it went all the way up uh, in my family's lineage. And uh, because of that, I had insane amounts of trauma that I had never dealt with and I didn't even know that it was trauma because it was so normal for me so growing up I was mentally verbally emotionally physically abused quite a bit as were my siblings and my mom as well Um, and in that pattern of abuse my mom was so focused um, she's on on healing my dad on trying to make him better so she was in in a codependent relationship I'm sure a lot of people listening are familiar with that term Mm -hmm. um she was more so focused on him than she was on fix like helping herself or like providing the necessary comfort for her kids that were going through the same thing. So with that, my mom um, went to go see a psychiatrist when my dad went to rehab for the first time when I was around 13, 14 years old. And instead of like talk, doing talk therapy, EMDR, emotional freedom techniques, the many tools that we know we have, to help free us of this trauma that we carry. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, the psychiatrist, like I think, talked with my mom for maybe five to 10 minutes and then was like, okay, clap, clap. Here's the benzodiapine or SSRI that I'm going to prescribe to you that will help you feel better. And we didn't think anything of that. Nobody does, right? Like everyone assumes that your doctor has your best interest in mind. And a lot of the times they do. Yeah, They're just doing what they're taught. And so we didn't think anything of it. My mom didn't think anything of it. Uh, And basically for the next, that was when I was 13, for the next 10 years, really, um, my mom was off, off, on and off multiple uh, psych drugs, um, was continually getting worse, would have multiple states of psychosis that she would go into, um, was in and out of mental hospitals had multiple suicide attempts. It was pretty, pretty traumatic um, for me and my siblings and for her and like for everyone involved. Right. And we didn't even think to question that it was the drugs. We were just like, Oh, this is just like, my mom's just 
had too much trauma that she's experienced or like this is just who she is she's crazy we even like it's it such a gaslighting experience because we we're like oh maybe this is how she always was we just never noticed it you know we, like mm-hmm. we even started thinking like that my siblings and I like decided that there was just no way we could get close to her because we we're like we're, she's gonna be successful in her suicide attempts um she's gonna if not she's gonna be like this for the rest of our lives and we would keep on getting our hopes up because there'd be like a month where she'd appear like she did previously and be like oh my god and we would think at the time too like okay the drugs are working yeah. she's she's appearing normal and then she had slipped right back into another state the doctors would tape wouldn't taper her off one to start another they would just cut her cold turkey which would shock her brain we didn't know that at the time we'd again we didn't know to question that so as a last resort type of thing around 2016 when I was graduating from the university that I was attending in New York um, I grew up in Kansas City which um, I'm assuming most people listening are Australian Kansas City is in the middle of the United States New York is in the northeast of the United States so pretty far away um not that that matters. I don't even know. Why I said <laughs> no, but it's, it is important because for us, it's like, oh yeah, you know, like they're just the states are so close together; they're very far apart. It's- very far away. So yeah, <laughs> I, well, I mean, I guess I could say like this: like I almost considered leaving the university that I was at, which is like not that this matters, but it's one that it's the number one public university in the United States, uh, United States Military Academy at West Point, and I considered leaving my junior year, so my third year because of what was going on with my mom. I was like, I, it was too much for me to handle being in school mm-hmm. and receiving phone calls from my siblings, receiving phone calls from her where she's like hallucinating, asking me about stuff from her own childhood that I would have no mm-hmm. idea about just because she was in such, such a state of psychosis. Um, anyway, I, uh, she, so my, my last year at my school, like during my graduation, essentially, she comes up to New York for my graduation. Her and my dad are still together at the time. Um, they're no longer together right now. That's a story for another day, though. <laughs> but um, it's all good. Uh, but when they came up to New York for my graduation, um, my mom again missed multiple graduation events, and I like would just roll my eyes because, like, okay, this is this is just how she is. Like, this is how it's going to be. I don't want to get close to her because, you know, and in that same time period, she had by chance found Dr. Kelly Brogan. Um, if you're, for the people listening, if you're not familiar with Dr. Kelly Brogan, I highly recommend you look up who she is because she's yes, please do a lot of people. That favor. <laughs> yeah, so she's a psychiatrist who sort of had an enlightening experience that led her to not believe in pharmaceuticals or any pharmaceutical products ever mm-hmm. for anyone. Um, and by chance, my mom found her and went to go see her around the time of my graduation. And again, me and my siblings didn't think anything of that. We were like, this is just going to be another one of those things that she tries that doesn't work. And this is going to get worse. And when my mom went to go see Dr. Brogan, um, Dr. Brogan essentially told her that, Ali, you are not sick. You're not bipolar. You're not this. You're not that these doctors did you wrong by prescribing you drugs without addressing the root cause of the issue, without addressing your trauma that you had experienced. You've experienced immense amount of trauma. You need to clean up your diet, the way that you eat and develop a more uh, introspective mindfulness approach to your life and then heal your trauma and you'll be fine. And sure enough, within a matter of three to four months, my mom, for the first time in, over 10 years was Ali Zek again. And it was super shocking. It was like, whoa, like I'd never thought, like I'd never even thought that this could happen. You know what I mean? And I never thought that doctors could be wrong. I was like, it was such a weird situation for me. Cause I was like, what, like what, like this is all it takes to be healthy. Yeah. That's it. Like we just need to heal our trauma and then not, not take a bunch of drugs. Um, I'd always been like growing up for me, I'd always, taking like pharmaceutical products and antibiotics for everything that was wrong with me. So obviously now I have a lot of gut problems um, that I'm still working on. But when that happened with my mom, my wife, we had just gotten married and my wife uh, was diagnosed when she was 15 years old with lupus and rheumatoid arthritis and had seen multiple rheumatologists. No one ever made mention of having a clean diet. It was just this pill or that pill. Oddly enough, one of them hydroxychloroquine, 
which is super controversial right now with COVID. Mm-hmm. And when we saw what happened with my mom, my wife at the time had now been like, had been under the care of a rheumatologist for nine years. And we we're like, hey, let's, let's just see if this works with you too. And now fast forward four and a half years, my wife has been in remission from lupus and rheumatoid arthritis since starting that same protocol that my mom did back in 2016. And so two very shocking incidences for me of like really paradigm shifting, like, I guess you could say anecdotal pieces of information for me, but nonetheless, very, very eye-opening because I see on one hand, the psych side of things for my mom, like completely heal outside of the allopathic system. Then my wife, who was under the care of a doctor when it comes to autoimmunity and the physical, completely heal outside of that system. Like that's very shocking for anyone who's bought into that system and never been taught to question or never had any reason to question it. And then you add on top of that, I see my mom now taking steps to heal her own trauma for the first time in 2016. And I had never healed any of my own trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, I had always just outsourced or externalized my self-worth because I was made when I was younger to feel like I was completely unworthy. Mm -hmm. And I was doing whatever I could, relationships, clothes, sports, girls, whatever I could to try to make myself feel better about who I was or find value in who Alex Zek is. So basically, 2016 was the like spark that ignited me becoming who I am now today in the best possible way. Um, A lot of trauma had to be dealt with, uh, a lot of making amends for damage that I had caused through me acting out of my own wounds. Um, A lot of healing my inside uh, via diet, uh, meditation, um, more mindfulness, grounding. uh, And then a lot of, I don't want, I don't like to say the word seeking because it wasn't seeking outside of myself, but it was reconnecting with my intuition and then taking on new information that I'd never seen before about the pharmaceutical industry, about medicine, about health, about the nature of our reality, about perceived authority figures, about everything uh, for the first time and learning to trust my own self in discerning this information for the first time, instead of outsourcing to uh, an an quote expert on, Mm -hmm. on any of these topics. So that's kind of how I got to where I was. And I think right before we hopped on this call, I told you, like, if you had asked me a year and a half ago why I went through all that, I'd have been like, I don't fucking know. Like, I mean, it made me more of an open person and I see mm-hmm. things with a much more clear lens now and I trust who I am and all that. But I've been like, I, I don't know how to, how that could be used to effectively help others, like all that together. Obviously, I could help people heal their trauma or mm-hmm. I could help people do this, which I, I still advocate for. But mm-hmm. then... 2020 COVID hits and <laughs> everything that I had dealt with on the individual level is now presenting itself in the collective. Mm-hmm. So there got a, there, I got to a point in, in May where I hadn't been on social media for five months at this point, because, and what previous to May, I was just a normal dude on social media, just posting pictures of my life and my, my son and like, like snowboarding and stuff like that, you know, just standard 28 year old dude. And, uh, then it got to a point in May where my mom who had already started getting a huge following on social media and I had been providing her some of the things to say, she'd run her post by me. I was like, she was like, Alec, you have got to speak. And I was like, no, (laughs) I speak for you. (laughs) (laughs) And then I finally started to, and initially I lost like 500 followers from like my organic what I had when I was just Mm -hmm. posting normally a bunch of people were calling me crazy Mm -hmm. but I pushed through that because I had already become so grounded in myself and who I am and what I believe in um that it didn't really bother me it it bothered me a little bit obviously like any anyone would be bothered by losing 500 people and having some of your friends say that you're like can I cuss on Mm -hmm. you am I allowed to cuss yeah okay having a bunch of people like say that I'm fucking crazy say that they're embarrassed of me embarrassed to know me stuff like that and then I just kept pushing through it and kept on speaking and then what I've said has resonated with a lot of people and Mm. I 
I just want people to think for themselves and trust their own intuition and understand that we are all connected and that individually we are much more powerful. Our bodies are much more powerful than we've been led on to believe. Mm, yes. There is so much to unpack in everything that you've just shared, but I feel I'm like sorry. That- I know I've went on forever, <laughs> but I feel like that that is a really, really important perhaps first starting point because we get so led away from ourselves and everything that has, you know, been created systemically around us has been done with that intent in mind to keep Mm. us away from who we really are and to trust the innate intelligence of the body. I know for a lot of people listening to this, they will have some way to connect to what you shared in your personal story. They'll be able to think of a person that has experienced the allopathic model and, you know, been so led down a further path of, imbalanced health um, Mm. and reliant on all of these different things to support them which are not necessarily even seeing them heal it's just helping to suppress the potential symptoms because that's all anything ever is it's a symptom and it's a um it's really a warning sign from our body and from our Mm. inner self as to what it is that we're not doing to create harmony because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of this fighting as well to disease we've got to end disease we've got to fight it whether it's mental physical emotional but in the fighting we're creating that separation and it's the healing comes from the embracing of what is this offering me yes that's so good when you when you were saying that it's just for other people that perhaps maybe bearing witness to this now too in terms of COVID and it might not necessarily be to the extent where people are physically unwell but there's that fear creeping in because that's also associated to imbalanced health because when we believe our body is unwell we start to perpetuate that cycle of fear thinking that that's true and that becomes the truth of what it is and our cells and our bodies start to emanate that and it reflects out and so on to just remember that it's the separation of self but then also the separation within the body and the spirit and the emotional signals that that's giving us because they're all messengers to come back inward and you know when you kind of said that when you started to see that shift taking place when your mom was going on that path and then your wife did it from the physical in and then for you looking at those different levels of trauma and you know taking responsibility for self I'm curious as to your process as to how did you start to embody and implement some of those things? Because again, this is going to be relevant for others that are listening and it's just coming through now twofold with your own personal acceptance of you wanting to take responsibility for your own health and well-being and for what's going on within you, but then equally allowing those that you love to go through their own process because there needs to be a level of you surrendering, I imagine, to what you were witnessing with your mum and even with your wife and being like, I can't actually heal or do the work for them. I can be the support person. I can hold the space, um, but I can't do that for them. Can you speak into that a little bit? Yeah, that's really good because it also relates back to COVID. Um, I mean, that's a that's a dense one to unpack, but I, I will try my best. Um, so in my own healing process and having my mom going through a healing process, my siblings, my wife, all of us going through a healing process, which hasn't stopped, by the way, because like we're still still continuing to heal in many ways. Um, it's yeah no seriously yeah well it's it's a lifelong unpacking or unlayering of all of these layers in western society especially Mm -hmm. um but it's not just western society just being a human being on this planet right now in general that we add all these layers on top of who we are and it's taking off each layer looking at it and saying is this something that i want or is this something that was impressed upon me Mm -hmm. is this something that is fear-based is this something that is love and unity based where did this come from? It's that's, it, that's what introspective work is, is doing that for each of the layers. And if it is for you, ah, okay, I put it back on. If it's not for you, if it's been impressed upon you by someone else, if it has, if it's fear-based, if it's a result of trauma, it might have been for you at one point to make you to turn and look at it and rediscover, ah, this is why it happened, but this is no longer for me anymore. And then throwing it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what like I call doing the work, but when because i mean within our family dynamic especially when it comes to the trauma 
this is this is a perfect example of what's happening with COVID, right? When you're in an abusive relationship and you're in that abusive relationship so long and you have established your life in that abusive relationship, which is akin to a house of cards, right? Mm -hmm. um, especially when it's very narcissistic and manipulative and trying to shift your perception to see things one way when it really may not be that way in reality, trying to sever you from your intuition, what you're seeing is not actually what you feel. There's a lot to work through there. And for some people, it takes longer than others, depending on the type of person they are, depending on the amount of work they're willing to do, depending on how hard it is for them to look at it, depending on if they've trauma bonded with that abuser to a degree where they cannot see that abuser in a negative lens, despite that abuser inflicting massive amounts of harm on them. So there'd be times I, I was subject to it as well, where in unpacking this, and this goes back to why my parents are no longer together, even though they were together in 2016, having dealt with what we dealt with when we were younger, another incident happened in 2017 that reignited some of the same feelings that we had previously. Um, and it would, it put my siblings, but not myself into a state of cognitive dissonance. Cause they were like, Oh, I thought he was better. Like, why is this happening again? And then for me, I was like, no, I saw it very clearly back then. Cause I was old enough to remember. And I see it very clearly now. Um, so there'd be times where I'd try to get my siblings to see and keep in mind, we're also healing our insides at the same time of, Oh, here's another bomb being dropped on you at the same time. But I had the clarity to see, right. Mm -hmm. And I would try to force my siblings to see like, how can you not fucking see this? Like, how do you not understand what's going on? And the more that I tried to do that, the more that I tried to force them to see the more they resisted seeing. So for some people, especially people that are in abusive relationships, you can take from that what you want and discern for what I'm alluding to. Um, for some people that are in those relationships, it does take some time and it takes experience for themselves to understand. And some people may never understand. Mm -hmm. Some people may never understand that they're, being, they're in an abusive relationship, but that's not your job to make them understand. And that's what I had to learn in that instance. The difference is though, when someone who is in, when that abuser gets the people that are in that abusive relationship to impose their will upon you. So like an example of this, sorry, I had a light just fall. Um, and <laughs> I'm sorry about that. An example of this, like, like for me right now, operating in the environment with COVID-19, I see things a certain way. Mm -hmm. I believe that this is being pushed on the human race for control and for fear. Mm -hmm. I believe, I mean, there's a lot of things that we could unpack there, but the point is for the people who don't see it that way, that's absolutely fine. Mm -hmm. I have no ill will towards you. You are allowed to express and see things that way. Mm -hmm. However, the moment that you try to forcefully impose your will or way of looking at the world onto me, mm -hmm. that's when it's no longer cool with me. Mm -hmm. That's where it's important to set a boundary with compassion. So like when I was, I had that healing process when I was younger and then that other event happened, my siblings would also try to like get me or my, my dad would try to get me to see his side and impose his will upon me. He like, he ruined some relationships that I had been in with friends um, by pulling them into his side um, and trying to really impose his way upon me. And that's where it's not okay, right? So that's where it's important to stand um, firm with boundaries or compassion with boundaries. Mm -hmm. And what that is, is like, I understand for like, for me talking with my siblings, I understand why you're where you're at. I, I get it. I have compassion for why you see things that way. But I have boundaries to say that you are not going to impose your way of thinking upon me or the way you choose to operate upon me. Mm. So that was the biggest piece. And that's something that I see happening now is like a lot of people aren't, and that's okay. They may never see it. And we could be completely wrong, but the point is they aren't seeing the, the world, the way that we are, the way that people like you and I are right now, which that's, again, that's totally fine, but it's that they are trying to impose their will mm. upon people that see the world the way that you and I do.
that's where it's so important to have boundaries so you can still stand in love unity have compassion for them but have boundaries to say no not happening motherfucker like 100 <laughs> percent. the word that kept coming in then was acceptance but acceptance in you know again like I, I see that line in the sand it's like to hear but I'm not going to let you push me into something that doesn't feel right and I feel like that's one of the biggest challenges that we're facing collectively is that level of acceptance we're being asked to accept things but people aren't able to integrate and embody it because it's like yeah I'll accept it but only if and it's like acceptance is full acceptance not if not but only maybe just change this a little bit and then we'll accept it it's no you get to like the free will is probably the biggest level, like the biggest thing that we all need to be embodying and it doesn't matter what side of this you sit on you need to be making the decision for yourself based on what feels right for you and if that means buying into or moving along with the narrative that's been projected at us then so be it, but make sure that it is coming from a level of conscious awareness and that you've actually taken the time to explore things. And this again is not just relative to now, this is relative to life and to where it is that we collective are going as humanity potentially, if we are brave enough to continually step into the evolution and the growth that this is asking of us. But it's, we've, we've got to be discerning which you've said now multiple times and I would love for you to elaborate on that a little bit more because people will hear that word and this is something that I work a lot with people on is okay I discern it but how do I trust what's intuition and what is potentially my ego clouding it or what is other things swaying me I feel like it could be that but then there's still a level of self-trust that hasn't been fully embraced and yeah, perhaps you could speak into that a little bit more from your own lens, but then also how, um, you know, I know that you've got plenty of amazing people you've had access to and what you've learned along the way as to embracing and embodying more of that self-trust and intuition. Yeah, that's a really good question, um, especially as it pertains to the balance between trusting your intuition and getting into the egoic side of things. Um, I'll start by saying right now and the way again, I always say Western society because it, 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 it does not inflict Eastern ideologies and Eastern society as much as it does Western society. Mm -hmm. um, we are taught what to think mm -hmm. rather than how to think. And because we are taught what to think, we constantly outsource and externalize for information, which over time, we are severed completely of our intuition and our ability to discern for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So when you're taking on a piece of information or taking on, let's say from a, like information from, from a trusted authority or trusted expert, rather than blindly accept what they say, it's important to look at it through a lens of your own individual experience, right? First, mm -hmm. and then after it, taking on that information through the lens of your own experience, then start thinking about some of the other, and like what this person, not the words, not the words that they're trying to get you to believe in, but the, I guess, deeper meaning behind what they're trying to get you to buy into. Mm -hmm. So like, do they have financial ties? Are they trying to shift your perception? Are they trying to make you think one way? Are they trying to make you oppose a certain group? Are they trying to make you accept a certain group? That's like the deeper, um, I guess, thinking that needs to be done when being approached with information. And then this is what I always say when it comes to like the difference between trusting your intuition and getting and attaching something to your ego. If you are so, um, if you're holding on so tightly, if you're clinging on to, and I, I still do this sometimes too, it's, it's human nature. If you're holding on to so tightly something that you have, you believe you have discerned with your own intuition to the point that you are now self-identifying with that opinion, mm -hmm. that's where, even if it is correct, it is no longer healthy for you. When you self-identify with your opinions, rather than with, I am Alex Zek, I am love, light, I'm unity, I'm a p individuated piece of consciousness expressing itself through free will. 
if you self-identify with these opinions that you have discerned for yourself, then it is no longer good for you, regardless of if it's correct or not. So it's being able to intuit something, but not self-identifying with that thing. And that's something I still struggle with, but at least I have the backdrop to remember, like slap myself and be like, Hey, like stop attaching the meaning of Alex Zek to this or that. Mm-hmm. And that applies, that, that goes for everyone. Yes, totally. And it's awareness, right? Awareness is what takes us back into the driver's seat of life because even when we create that oh like we see it happening it's we that that's part of the growth process too and the integration process because this is one of the things one of the other things one of the multiple things this year but you know the the spiritual and the the physical we've had this separation I feel personally for some time with the rise of modern spirituality and all of these concepts coming into I guess mainstream for lack of a better word but it's like we created still this separation between we have a spiritual practice we're a spiritual being over here but we seldom took it fully into our lives in our physical day-to-day and that is ultimately what spiritual practice and spirituality is it's the being able to embody that in the here and now and this is in terms of what's been playing out, like these darker things that have really come to the forefront too, like a lot of in the beginning, I felt those that I guess in the spiritual community or those that were identifying as that, oh, I don't want to see that. That's not, that's not light. That's not love. And it's like these dark things though, it's the turning our back on them that keeps them where they are and they need to be taken out of the shadows so that we can integrate the light into them and actually recognize that what exists out there exists within us. And it's not until we fully embrace all parts of ourselves and bring them together that we can transcend. And I can see you've got something to say to that. So please. Yeah, (laughs) that's, that's spiritual bypassing. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the things like I, I get, not that I get so frustrated, but I, I do to some degree when, when people say that my beliefs are new age, I'm like, no, most of my beliefs are deeply rooted in Taoism and Buddhism, Mm -hmm. like which are ancient, ancient, ancient religions. And they're not even really religions. They're like, it's a philosophy. It's a way of looking at the world, right? It's, it's the embodiment of the spiritual nature rather than just like, oh, it's a religion that I do. It's, it's who I am, Mm -hmm. right? It's not, this is what I do. This is what I do on Sundays. I go worship and I go back to my life. No, no, this is who I am at the core of my being. And I have that to fall back on each and every day. I love what you brought up there because especially with what's going on with COVID, and I still see this. I don't know if it's like these people have are too scared to because they've set their platform on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube up a certain way to where they don't want to address those things because they are afraid to lose money or if it's, they truly like are the, what I call fake woke new age spirituality people where they don't ever, it's, it's always love and light. Like I'm just going to ignore all this bad shit happening and just pretend everything's always good, love and light. So there's a balance there. It's important, especially when it comes to future projections of things. Like there's a lot of things that I'm sure you've read that we're seeing that could potentially happen, right? Mm -hmm. Like within a certain year or or like there's a lot of agendas that are trying to be played out, right? Mm -hmm. It is important to acknowledge the presence of darkness, to bring it to the surface, to look at it and, and see that it exists, see that the potential for dark things do exist, acknowledge it, discuss it, talk about it, spread awareness on it, but then choose to respond to it deliberately with love and compassion. And choose not to resist it, because what you resist persists, but to say, "Mm, that's not for me, and to step over it, Mm -hmm. both on the individual level and the collective level. So that's that's a big piece of what I had to do when I was healing my own trauma. There is a period of time where I just like continued to stuff it down. I was like, oh, I'll just eat healthy and I'll be great. Like I will continue, like as the more I continue to eat healthy, I don't have to worry about all that shit that happened because I was starting to feel better for the first time because that's what started with initially. It was like my, my change my diet. Mm. and the more that I changed my diet the more that I like felt that piece of me that had not been healed either you know like I was healing my 
insides on the physical level, mm -hmm. but there is uh, an emotional, spiritual, mental piece of it that still had not been healing that was lingering behind. Mm -hmm. And I almost like adopted that fake spirituality approach at the beginning because I was like, oh, I just eat healthy. I'm connected to food and nature, like meditate here and there, but not really just kind of did it because I was like, oh, like this is what I do now. Mm -hmm. um, but it got to a point where I was forced to acknowledge those darker pieces of me, things that I ex had experienced and bring them to the service and address them and not shame the person that inflicted them upon me, not shame myself for some of the shitty things mm -hmm. that I did, but choose to respond with love and compassion for where that person was and why they did it to me or where I was and why I did that to someone else. Mm -hmm. Choose to respond with love and compassion towards that piece of me and in responding with love and compassion, choosing not to allow that to happen to myself out of love for myself, mm. setting a boundary and choosing not, again, out of love and compassion, not to inflict that same pain onto other people again. Mm. Yeah. That is doing the work. Mm. And that's the daily work. And right now we get to use the world that we're in as our ultimate playground for that, because it is every opportunity or every time that we're out in the physical world, there is an opportunity to embrace and embody more of that because that's also where those ripples of change happen from. You know, it's conversations like this, it's conversations in our inner circles, it's conversations with people we might not even really know that well. It's those things need to happen where we can be the ones that show what it looks like to stand fully in that and not have that level of judgment, but also again, that separation happens within us and then reflects out. Like we get to be all of that and show people what that looks like instead of just talking about it because words are great. They're a beautiful starting point, but it's then we've got to back it up with action. And I think that you said that before too. It's like, you got to back it up with action and we yeah. can't just talk about things. And when you said to acknowledging the dark, bringing it out, having the conversations, making it seem, but then deciding what it is that we want to create. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is a message that people really um, perhaps need to hear right now. It's that all of these timelines, for lack of a better word, are there, but it's we get to choose. Every time that one of us says, no, I'm not accepting that. No, I'm not taking mandatory anything. No, that is not something that I'm going to, you know, allow into my life. That is a level, because I also feel like sometimes we get to, oh, I'm not going to say no to something because then it's like what we focus on. And like, if we're using again, some of those more modern day spiritual understandings of let's say the law of attraction, for example, but we also have to reject it by claiming our full power and standing in our strength and saying that's not acceptable. And that's not from yeah. And there's a difference between ignoring it and like the, deliberately ignoring that it exists and acknowledging that it exists and choosing not to focus on it, right? Like it's the acknowledgement of it, but focusing or setting the intention. This, this is one of the pieces of the law of attraction that I think is not explained well, or maybe it's just that the law of attraction is not the correct approach. It's more of like a Joe Dispenza approach that is the right way. Rather than just thinking positive thoughts, which is what a lot of people think the law of attraction is, mm -hmm. it is setting intention through thought and feeling, and then also taking deliberate action towards thought and feeling. Like human beings have the unique ability on this planet to create things. I am talking to you on a microphone that was thought up by a human being. I'm looking at you thousands of miles away via a computer screen and we're looking at each other, mm -hmm. each other and that was, that was thought up by a human being. These are things that human beings consciously created. Yeah. We can consciously create and influence our reality by first starting on the individual level and then spreading that awareness through love and unity and not separation and fear mm -hmm. to other people around us in our inner circles. Mm -hmm whether that be on like right now, it's happening a lot online more than, more than in, in person, but that's okay. It's, it's, that is how, that's what it starts with though. Mm -hmm. It is 
setting the intention through thought and feeling and then taking deliberate action towards that intention. Mm-hmm. That's, that is the important thing to do right now with what we're dealing with COVID-19. A good analogy for this, I don't know if you're familiar with the law of one. Um, if you aren't, I highly recommend yeah, yeah. reading that. Okay. So Ra, uh, the being that is channeled and the law of one, I know that sounds like super woo for the people listening, but it's- No, I no, promise. no, it's all right. That'll be all over. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The, the law of one is, is one of the most profound. That was, that was such a piece, that was a piece that I missed explaining. That was, I came across the law of one in- 2017 so just after I'd started healing and that was one of the biggest pieces of like my healing journey was reading that um it laid the foundation for my the way in which I look at the world um and why things happen on a very deep deep level an analogy that he gives regarding like uh people who are spiritually connected that are intuitive that are able to provide um, I guess, projections for where they think the world is going or like, like mm-hmm. prophecy regarding what, what they think will happen. The analogy that Ra gives on that, which I love so much because that applies to right now, is that prophecy or like projections of what will happen is akin to a person going shopping in a supermarket. The shopping will be done. Something will, aka something will happen. Mm-hmm. Something will happen, but it is up to the choosing of the individual at the time, depending on their own taste or their own desire, what will be bought. So there's all these choices on a store shelf and humanity, depending on its taste, depending on what it wants, that will determine what humanity chooses Mm -hmm. or what will come. And that all starts on the individual level. Once you take the, the steps to know thyself mm-hmm. and you understand who yourself is, who is Alec, you, everyone says the same thing. Does, doesn't matter which religion, like each of them is touching really on the same thing that at our core, we are love, pure, unadulterated, unadulterated love and, and, and unity. And we are all inextricably and interdependently linked to each other. Mm. And when you understand that at the deep level, you understand how you changing a portion of you for the positive is also changing a portion of the creator and creating a ripple effect to help other people change themselves. Yes, 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 yes. The power is always with each and every single one of us first. I love that. That's so beautiful. And I really hope that people take a minute to let that land because that interconnectivity of all things is again, what we've been led away from. It's like, you're you, I'm me. And then we've also got all of these me's that I have in my day to day. I'm a mom, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, I'm a, you know, whatever your profession is. Like we create all of these categories of that as well without even necessarily realizing that that is what we're doing. And if we forget then at essence, the unity of all things and Mm -hmm. that is in order for us to truly heal and to transcend it's like we've got to again embrace and embody that truth and um, I'm just looking outside and the trees are going crazy with the wind and it just reminded me too like of nature and the grounding and the connecting to the earth energy and the remembrance of that too that interconnectivity doesn't just stop with us as humans it's also with all living things on this planet yes so if that is also a takeaway that you get today, please get out in nature and ground yourself and just feel <laughs> yeah. what it feels like to be held and to feel into the frequency of the earth because for some reason that's coming through just to on part um, to people too. It's like the earth is transcending as well and the earth mm-hmm. frequency is changing and that is supporting the growth and the evolution of us as human beings. And for those of us that are aware, awake and conscious, Uh, all of us are at some extent but we've just forgotten that is going to support us through whatever it is that is coming next too so um I just want to shift gears a little bit because you and I before we jumped on we spoke a little bit to what happened with you in terms of censorship the last couple of days around something that I feel is actually really important because a lot of people may have seen in a roundabout way things around PCR testing which is the test that gets done for COVID and the 
I guess, accuracy of this testing, testing method. And you shared a lot of information on it, which got taken down. Could you speak on that a little bit more and some of the little insights that you had in regards to that? Yeah, so kind of like how in order to understand the true nature of who we are, it's important to take off all the layers and address each of them and determine their validity, whether they're for us, whether they're a lie, whether they're based in separation and fear or based in unity and love. And then if they are, put them back on and if not, throw them away, right? Like that type of thing. But it's getting to the foundation in that work of who we are, because that is ultimately what dictates everything, who we are fundamentally. So what is COVID fundamentally is the question that people should be asking, or what is the ultimate fundamental foundational driving force behind COVID-19? And that's two things, viral isolation, PCR test. So the two linchpins for the entire COVID-19 situation, like the, the fear stoked by the media is a layer on top of that. Um, the, the lockdown measures, mask wearing, everything is all predicated on there being cases of COVID-19 and COVID-19 existing. And I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I'm just saying this is one of those things where you should use your own discernment trust for yourself. Don't blindly accept what I'm saying. Don't blindly accept what anyone says. Go read for yourself what the data shows. So we don't have, to my knowledge, and I'm, I'm willing to be proved wrong. That's the whole point of continuing to learn. Based on what I've read, and I've read a ton, we do not have true viral isolation via centrifuge or filter. Like if you were to Google or DuckDuckGo, because that's what I use, um, uh, how to isolate a virus, the first few results that I've seen at least say that you need to spin it in a centrifuge to separate it by weight and then put it in a filter to separate it by size. So you take like genetic material from a person who you believe is to be sick with, let's say SARS-CoV-2, you take that genetic material, you spin it in a centrifuge to separate it by weight, and then you put it through a filter to separate it by size. So you get the actual isolated virus, right? Mm -hmm. Every single paper that I have read, that was not done. And there's multiple other people that have said the same thing. Mm -hmm. One being Dr. Thomas Cowan, which I highly recommend everybody read his book, The Contagion Myth. Mm -hmm. That goes into our viruses, what we have been told they are to begin with. Are they predatory? I would argue, no, they're not based on what Dr. Cowan shows, but that's, that's for another time. But then the other piece of this is PCR tests. So the inventor, I actually just finished watching that video again of the inventor of the PCR test, Carrie Mullis, describing how PCR can be used to find anything in anyone if you want it to. Like mm -hmm. you can amplify enough because the way PCR testing works is it takes a piece of genetic material that is being tested. So like someone's nasal swab, right? And then you zoom in on it essentially as many times as possible till you find something because it's typically used for genetic testing. Mm -hmm. So with what's happening with COVID, first off, I don't know what the chip that they have to compare, like since we don't know if the virus has actually been effectively isolated, they haven't been clear about that, right? Mm -hmm. Through centrifuge filter. So I don't know what they're having to compare people's actual like genetic material to, to be like, oh, this looks like that. I don't know. I can't answer that, but it is something to consider because it's like, that's kind of sketchy, right? Mm -hmm. um, so when it comes to PCR tests, you take someone's genetic material and you amplify it. And within the germ theory of disease, um, PCR tests have known to, have been known to be effective at identifying like uh, transmissible amounts of virus if they are amplified between 18 to 22 times, meaning like you zoom in 18 to 22 times on the material being tested, right? With COVID-19, labs are going upwards of 40, zooming in upwards of 40 times. So if you think in in the past, when we've used PCR on viruses, we've determined that, okay, this person has enough virus in their system to be transmissible 
And the window to determine that is between 18 to 22 cycles of PCR. Like if you find in that genetic material being tested in that 18 to 22 cycle window, uh, amounts of that virus, then they are probably positive, meaning that they are able to transmit that virus. Mm -hmm. With SARS-CoV-2, we are going upwards of 40 cycles. And if you put that against the backdrop of what Carrie Mullis said, this is exactly what he was referring to. Mm -hmm. You can find anything in anyone if you cycle it enough. Mm -hmm. If you put it, like if you do enough cycles on the PCR test, you will find trace amounts of anything, especially considering how many viruses we have in, in on and around us at all times, trillions of them. You're going to find trace amounts of anything if you cycle it enough. So that's what's happening with PCR tests. And then the other piece of this is traditional epidemiological cases are a series of symptoms that are then confirmed by a test. Right now, what we have for quote COVID cases is tests. That's it. Because you have so many people who are not presenting any symptoms whatsoever that are getting tested with a test that is being cycled way too many times. Mm -hmm. The inventor said was not intended to be used that way mm -hmm. with being compared to, I don't know what, because th there's no true viral isolation that I've seen in any of the papers. And that is being called a case. That's not a case. That is a positive PCR test. Yeah. And positive PCR test, when it, as it applies to COVID-19, is essentially meaningless. Mm -hmm. So that's what's going on with that. So what happened to me, what happened to me this morning um, <laughs> would be yesterday morning for you since at the time we're recording this. Um, I, uh, I made a post discussing because I have a friend that owns three PCR testing facilities in New York, New Jersey, and he's confirmed all the same information I'm discussing with me, like goes over all this information with me all the time. Anytime I say anything about PCR, I run it by him first yeah. because I know that he has done the analysis himself. And then I discern what he's saying for myself. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Let's go ahead and post this. Right. And I made a post just briefly going over PCR info, why if you over amplify the test too much, it's basically meaningless. I didn't even talk about the viral isolation piece. I just touched on PCR mm -hmm. and was super cool. Not that this matters, but I had multiple lab techs comment on my post and say, oh my God, this is the best analysis of PCR I've seen on Instagram. This is such good info. More people need to know this, blah, 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 blah. It was shared like 3,500 times or something like that. And then right after I screenshotted that it had been shared so many times, because I was like, this is the information that people need to know of anything that I'm saying right now, this is what people need to understand. Because mm -hmm. this is the like backing for people to be like, okay, you're telling me I'm positive with PCR. Like, could you imagine if everyone knew, oh, you're telling me I'm positive. Okay. How many times did you cycle the test? Mm -hmm. If everyone on the earth knew that right now, this I'm, I would willing to bet that this would all stop very fast. Yeah. And another indicator of that is the fact that it was removed from Instagram. Um, and so like I logged, logged into Instagram and someone asked me where I got the info from. Like I was replying to one of my uh, followers where I got the info from. And I was like talking about how I have a friend that has a lab and they're like, oh, it's such good info. And then I went to go look at it again because they had a question about one of the slides and it was gone. And then I got a note on Instagram that said, this post was removed for harmful uh, misinformation, violating community guidelines, blah, 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 blah. And it's crazy because that's not the first time that's happened to me. That's mm -hmm. the second time. And like, I think you know this, um, I, I make a conscious effort to back up everything that I say with legitimate information that can be, that's verifiable, even using government databases like that freaking matters. It doesn't matter to me, but the point is like, you can, Try to say that all that you want that I am like spreading misinformation, but I'm using legitimate information to back it up just to prove a point yeah. that Instagram isn't censoring people based on spreading false information. It's based on the narrative that they want. And I like me and many other accounts like me are the perfect um, case study for that. Right. Like, 100%. And how many of you got deleted, you know, only a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, I like just just in, incredible. And this is, I think, something for those that might be sitting on the fence, although I don't feel like any of you are that are listening, but for someone that you might recommend this to, that you, you know, want to perhaps ask them to see from a different lens or a wider lens, 
if these things are not true, why are they squashing them the way that they are? Why are they not allowing the question? Without warning, without warning, either. like with no warning, like I don't, I've been fact-checked once on any of my posts and I, I made a story on that yeah. showing how the fact-checkers were just like, basically just put the label on my post and didn't actually look to see what my post said because what they addressed, they brought up Fox News, they brought up Pete Evans, they brought up like representing the figures that I'd put on the post as percentages. Mm -hmm. I didn't touch on either of those three things that they used to say that my post was false, but that's neither here, here nor there. The point is that I make a conscious effort to show that I'm providing legitimate verifiable information just to prove a point that they are not actually censoring people for spreading false information. They're censoring people for narratives that they don't like and information that they don't want to get out. What's dope about that though, I don't know if dope is like a term you guys use in Australia, but that means- It is, people know what that is. Okay. What's cool about it, what's dope about that um, is- uh, You should know. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, so what, what's dope about that though is like, I uh, when my Instagram dot, got deleted as an example, and it got deleted for like three days, um, my wife made a post about how I got deleted and was like, my husband was just deleted without warning. Mm -hmm. He doesn't post misinformation. Obviously I post for the normie, very controversial information, which is totally fine, yeah. but it's all verifiable, right? Like 35 people that haven't said a word, like haven't liked any of my posts that like, you know, the people that like, you know, are watching, but like, yeah, you yeah. like don't ever show yeah. messaged my wife and were like, oh my God he got deleted like he never like he's yeah he says some very like very eye-opening things and some mm. of the things he says like uh, i may or may not agree with but he got deleted mm. oh my god so the point is is like the more instagram tries to squash information like this the more they're going to shoot themselves in the foot or the powers that be try to squash information like this because that just me just one dude with not that many followers on instagram had like 30 something people message my wife immediately mm -hmm. who typically are, are, I mean, maybe some of them are kind of on the fence or maybe some of them don't really think anything of this stuff. They just kind of just like apathetic. It like lit a fire under them to be like, Oh my God, like this? censorship is happening to this kind of people. I thought this was only like super far right wing QAnon conspiracy theorists. This happened mm -hmm. to this mm -hmm. happening to Alec. Like he posts legitimate information. And it was the same thing with my mom. Like my mom, always backs up what she says maybe a little bit less than what I do but that's okay like my mom makes some amazing 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 posts and it was the same thing it's like I thought this was only happening to like super 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 crazy people talking about like lizards running the world and stuff like that which may or may not be true you gotta think yeah. yourself but the, <laughs> you know what I mean though that like the more yeah, they continue totally, to totally. That, yeah 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 absolutely and I feel like that that is yeah, to, it's going to be to detriment to them, but it's also just for us too. It's like the levels of control are so exposed like that because it's in every area. I mean, we've touched on a few of them, but it's, you know, the system has its tentacles, but it, it's just so infiltrated. And this is again where we as the people need to be able to see what's going on and to also then within our own lives go, okay, where can I start opting out of being a participant of that and start recreating our own lives and our own way of operating and our own way of circulating our resources, our energy, our time in a way that is reflective of the world that we want to live in and the things that we just spoke about, you know, like this is creating the exposure for it to be seen. And for those of us that are willing to look, it's then also the segue as we transition and um you know i believe where we're going has the potential to be incredible but i'm not under the illusion of what we potentially have to go through is going to be messy and that oh, yeah. you know that there are going to be challenges put on that path for all of us to rise to and have to you know carry our piece of that load but we chose to be here at this time and yeah you know, that's such a such an important thing for us to remember and such a place of power that we can return to. And uh, I feel like we've come full circle and I just want to offer you the opportunity to share anything that you feel that's left unsaid. Is there anything that you want to leave people with? Yeah, so kind of what you just said, humanity right now 
is going through a collective dark night of the soul. Humanity is having to, for the first time collectively, address many of those things that they were stuffing down, that we were all stuffing down. Um, and for some people, uh, the people who haven't done any of the work to heal their own trauma, that's going to be too shocking for their system. So they cannot and will not look at it. And that again goes back to you trying to shed light on the abusive relationship that they are in with uh, the, the experts that they buy into or the people that they believed were leading them down the right path that were inflicting massive amounts of harm on them in the process. Trying to shed light on that information when for people like you and I, it's so blatantly obvious, have compassion for them for where they are because a lot of them haven't done the work to heal themselves. And then even on the fundamental level, that may just be how they are choosing to express in this reality. And you have to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. All of us have to be okay with that. And then again, it all goes back to if they're crossing the boundary, trying to impose their will upon you, that's when it's important to set a boundary mm-hmm. with compassion and step over that and say, that's, that's not happening to me. Like, mm-hmm. this is my hard no. This is my line in the sand. This is not happening to me. Mm-hmm. But when you're going through a dark night of the soul, like I remember touching on my own healing journey. There was times where I even became suicidal because I was like, this is too fucking much pain to deal with right now. Like I cannot do it. But on the backside of that, the more that I continued to allow that darkness to surface and respond to it with love and compassion, instead of blaming, shaming, none of that, allow it to come up, allow the feelings to surface surrounding it and respond to it with love and compassion now looking back, I'm like, damn, I'm really glad I went through that shit because I am so much better now. That's mm-hmm. what's happening on the collective right now. We're having to allow these dark pieces of our collective consciousness and of what we're doing to rise up to the surface. And we need to learn to respond to that with love and compassion, not mm-hmm. shame, not blame. Draw attention to nefarious intention, like the dude that rhymes with Phil Yates, um, that <laughs> dude. A lot of the shit that he's doing that is wrapped up in a shroud of virtue. And that's when the most subversive evil acts are committed when they, to many people, appear virtuous. So you get people to buy into your system and inflict massive amounts of harm on them. You acknowledge that shit, but you say, nope, that's not happening. We're going to choose something else for humanity. That's mm-hmm. way better than that. And then the last thing I'll say, I wanted to say this earlier because you touched on nature the earth is responding ferociously because it is in a state of imbalance due to a piece of nature viewing itself as separate from nature. Mm -hmm. Humanity right now views itself as separate from nature as having dominion over nature rather than a piece of nature in a symbiotic relationship with nature. What happens when you do that? When you spray herbicides on everything, when you don't give two shits about the environment, even if you don't give two shits or you don't spend time in the environment, you're staring at your phone 24 seven, when you're not living in harmony with nature, mm-hmm. nature is going to respond in such a way to balance, to bring the scale back to center. That's what's happening with nature right now. So we need to reconnect with nature, which we are a part of, you're inherently a part of, no matter how much we perceive ourselves not to be, we are a part of it. We don't have dominion over it. Mm. so that was i guess that's the last thing i'll leave people with is reconnect with nature go outside and step in the grass barefoot for a while (laughs) yes i love that it's one of my favorite things to do (laughs) um but yeah it is it is so so important to recon yeah reconfiguring all of it because it takes us back home you know it's our mother on so many Mm. levels and yeah, and it is up to each of us individually to create that reclamation of self and then that ripples out into the collective and that collective reclamation has the opportunity to blossom from that. And I just really appreciate everything that you're doing, um, everything that your family is doing, uh, the way that you're speaking up and out and willing to be courageous because there is definitely a level of that that's needed um, and it's not gone unseen I know a lot of people are appreciative of the work that you're doing and just wanted to acknowledge you and if people want to find you where can they best go uh so 
for now, I don't have a website or anything, <laughs> but I, I will soon. I will soon. Um, I am on Instagram at alec.zek, uh, or you can follow my Finsta, which is not Alec Zek. <laughs> um, uh, or you can find me on Twitter, alec underscore Zek. Um, and then I also have my own podcast that I'll have to have you on as a guest, um, interview you, turn, turn the table around. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's the way forward. That's, that's my uh, podcast. And you can find that on Instagram at the way forward. And then forward is spelled F W R D on Instagram. So. Awesome. Yep. And you've also got a parlor account, right? I just want to let people know in case. This oh is- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in case I'm gone. I, for- <laughs> I forget about those. Like, honestly, I need to not forget about them and, and <laughs> those up a lot more. So I have a uh, telegram channel and that's also like, telegram backslash the way forward spelled f w r d and then my parlor is just at alex Zek. okay perfect amazing well you guys know where to find him and again thank you so much for being here thank you now before i go i just wanted to say thank you so much for being here with me and wanting to do your part in recreating the status quo if you got something out of today's episode i would love if you could leave me a review and forward this on to anyone that you feel would benefit or even share it on your socials i just want to close by saying i appreciate you and until next time remember that together we truly do rise